Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. I'm excited about this series. We're talking about messy. Loving others isn't easy. And how true, true, true that is. We experience difficult situations. We experience difficult people every single day. Sometimes at the, at the workplace. Sometimes it's in our home. Sometimes it's in the community. Everywhere you go, things can get messy. And as we continue to grow as a church, as we continue to reach beyond these walls, which is what God has called us to do, yes? I believe that every church is called to grow. We're all called to grow spiritually. We're all called to grow relationally. We're all called to grow numerically. That's what God has called us to do as we invest in one another, as we reach beyond these walls. And as we continue to do what God has called us to do, things will, in fact, get messy. But I've got some good news for you. How many of you like good news? I love good news. I love when someone passes on good news, when someone walks up and says, hey man, I got some good news and bad news. What do you want to hear first? Majority of the time I'll say, give me the good news, because that kind of sugarcoats everything else that's going on, right? So here's the good news for you this morning. Our text, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called children of God. Now we're going to dive into this idea of a peacemaker, but let me ask you this question. Are you a peacemaker? Look at your neighbor and say, are you a peacemaker? Now some of you really aren't grasping a hold of this idea of what it means to be a peacemaker. So I want you to buckle up this morning. We're really going to dive into this idea of truly being a peacemaker. Now let me remind you the word messy by definition is extremely unpleasant or trying. There are going to be situations that you experience in life that are extremely unpleasant. They're extremely trying. So my question is, how do you deal with messy situations? How do you deal with people that are extremely unpleasant? How do you deal with those that are extremely trying? How do you deal in those moments when there is a lack of peace or an unrest, if you would, in the relationship? That's what I want to talk about today, being a peacemaker for the kingdom of God. How do we create peace? How do we make peace when things are anything but peaceful, when it seems that there are more pieces than there is possibility for true peace? Let me say that again. How do we create peace? How do we make peace when there seems to be more pieces And maybe not necessarily the possibility of actual peace. Look at our text again. Blessed are the peacemakers. In other words, happy are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. One translation says it this way. God blesses those who work for peace. Look at that. It's not easy. Peaceful situations 
are not easy. Oftentimes, they're extremely difficult. Why? Because there's unpleasant circumstances. There's very trying people involved in relationships. There's very trying situations involved in diving into those outside of our circle. Things oftentimes can become unrest. They can be unpeaceful. But God blesses us when we work for peace. What's it mean to be a peacemaker? What does it mean to, to work for peace? What does that look like? Well, the word peacemaker by definition, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, is this. A person who helps to prevent, or a person who stops an argument, a fight, or a war. A person who helps to prevent or stop an argument, a fight, or a war. Why is this so important? Why is it important that, that we Christians, that we that, that believe in, in Jesus Christ, that we that are disciples of His, why is it so important that we, we become a peacemaker? Well, we just read it. God will bless you if you're a peacemaker. But look at Proverbs 29. Look at just the opposite. Fools start fights everywhere. Look at that. Fools start fights everywhere. While wise men, or you could say women, or people, or individuals, try to keep peace. Wise people do the hard work. Wise people take the initiative. Wise people move toward peace. But a fool starts fights everywhere. See, sometimes in order for us to keep the peace, it's going to require you to be persistent, to push forward, to do what doesn't necessarily come naturally. Can I be a little transparent this morning? There are some situations where we don't want to respond as peacemakers. There's some people, some situations that we want to give them the right hand of fellowship. Right? And then ask them to turn the other cheek. Right? But the Bible says you're foolish if you start fights everywhere you go. There are times in our life, there are situations that are just messy, that we've got to do the hard work. If we fail to keep peace, we are not acting as wise, but rather as fools, stirring up trouble everywhere in life. I want you to do my, me a favor and do yourself a favor this morning. I want you to take just a moment and I want you to look at your life. Forget about what else is going on around you right now and look at your life. Do you see trouble and drama in multiple areas of your life? Look over your life, kind of scan through your week, scan through your relationships. Do you see trouble? Do you see strife? Do you see drama in multiple areas of your life? If you do, let me challenge you this morning to look at the common denominator. 
What do I mean by that? Look at the, the thing that is constants. Could it be that there are some things in your life that you need to work on when dealing with messy situations? Could it be that you are not walking as the wise, but progressing as a fool? Wow, it's quiet this morning. Let God begin today to work in your life. I want you to listen very carefully this morning because I want you to be a people that are blessed by God. I want you to be a people that, that walk in obedience to God. And the Bible says, we read the text, we're going to read it numerous times today. You are blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers. You are blessed when you work for peace. For you will be called a child of God. Now between our text in Matthew chapter 5 and now the verse we just read a few moments ago in the book of Proverbs, we can clearly conclude that the foolish stir up strife while the wise are blessed because they work for peace. Now here's an option for you. Do you want to be a wise person or do you want to live as a fool? Do you want to live a life that's blessed to be called a child of God? Or do you want to live a life that is continuously stirring up strife? I don't know about you, but I want to live a life that's blessed by God. I want to live a life that is honored by Him. I want to live a life that moves forward in obedience with God. Peace is going to require effort on your part and on my part, sometimes on a daily basis. There are going to be things, there are going to be situations in life that just aren't easy. There are going to be situations that are difficult to process through. But the Word of God is very clear. You are blessed when you work for peace. Now before we get into some action steps this morning of what we need to do as peacemakers, I want to give you a couple of clarifications regarding peace. Number one is this. Peacemaking is not avoiding the problem. Peacemaking is not avoiding the problem. It's not running from the problem. It's not ignoring the issue. It's not pretending that it doesn't exist. I was talking to a mom this morning. She's got a, a little guy. I'm not going to shout her out, but she's sitting in this section about almost the very back of the room, blonde hair and holding a water bottle. And, and she's holding her water bottle this morning. I overhear a conversation going on, and I, I jump into the conversation because it's an interesting conversation. And she says, my water bottle is not as full as it was a few moments ago because my little boy has been drinking my water. And, and I said to her, I've never drinking after my kids. I don't drink after anybody because drinks should not be chewable. I'm just saying. So she began to talk about yesterday, and I'll spare you all the details, but she opened up the water bottle yesterday, and it, it kind of strung as she opened it, and so she gave that to her, her son, but today she's still drinking after him. And I said, did you not learn anything from yesterday? Yesterday was a stringy situation, and you, you decided not to drink after him, yet today you're, you're drink, drinking after him, and it's okay. And she said, I'm just not thinking about it, and I don't see anything. I said, that's the problem. You don't see it. That doesn't mean it's not there. 
Some of us, we treat our situations in life much the same. If I just put the blinders on, if I just cover up my eyes, if I, if I close my ears, if I kind of close myself off, if I stick my head in the sand, then the problem is not going to be there. It'll resolve itself. Guess what? It never will. It'll continue to fester. We say things, well, let's just not talk about it. Let's, let, let's, let's just not make any waves. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes peacemaking, it's hard. Because it requires you to have a conversation that you don't want to have. Just being honest. But that's not peacemaking, that's peace faking. We're faking our way through it. Oh, everything is all right. Everything is hunky-dory. Let's just put on this mask and we'll greet one another. We'll smile at one another. We'll hug one another. And we'll pretend everything is great while on the inside there's still this animosity and, and strife and things going on that we've never really worked through. We're faking our way through it. And then we're asking God to bless our lives when we're in the exact opposite of what he's called us to do. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those that work for peace. They're the ones that will be called the child of God. And unresolved conflict is like termites in your relationships. If you don't deal with the issue, if you don't deal with the situation, eventually it will destroy your house. Did you hear me? If you don't deal, you can fake your way through it all day long. But if there doesn't come a point in time when you do the hard work of dealing with the strife, it'll eat away. See, when you avoid the conflict by ignoring it or by running from the problem or sticking your head in the sand, it's not peacemaking. It's disobedience to God. We read it a moment ago. As Christians, we are instructed to work for peace. Guys, I know this is a hard message. And, and last night, I'm sitting at the house, and I'm, I'm reviewing through all the notes, and I'm, I'm processing through it again. I'm thinking, man, this is tough. This is hard. But if we want to be blessed by God, then we can't skim over the things that aren't easy. We could come in here week in and week out, and I, I could tell you the happy-go-lucky things. I could pat you on the back. Oh, this is the way to have the blessed life yet. This is the way to have the happiest moment ever. Oh, just walking with God, just strolling through life. Come on, let's be real. Sometimes it's hard because it's messy. Got to work for peace. Take the effort to move forward to rectify the situation. Let me say this up front. I'm going to share it again a little bit later. Let me say this up front. There are some situations you can try and you can try and you can try, but there will never be a total resolution because the other party won't step in. But here's the deal. You are not responsible for them. You are responsible for you. Okay? 
you are responsible. It doesn't say blessed are the peacemakers and the person that they are making peace with. Blessed are the peacemakers. You're, you're taking the motion. You're working toward the peace. You're doing the hard work. You are not responsible for that person. You can't change them. You can't steer them. They are their own individual with their own free will to make their free choices. Your responsibility is not to change them. Your responsibility is to take control of your life and offer it to God as a living sacrifice, obedient to him. That's your responsibility. Peace is established in the resolution, not in the avoidance of conflict. That's what I want you to grab under this point. Peace is the establishment in the resolution, not in the avoidance of conflict. Number two, peacemaking is not appeasing another person. It's not avoiding the problem, and it's not appeasing another person. The word appease, by definition, simply means to pacify by doing or saying something desired. To pacify by doing or saying something desired. In other words, I'm going to give in to you. I'm going to allow you to have it your way. I'm going to be manipulated in this situation. I'm going to be dominated by you. That is not peacemaking. That's manipulation. You are not called to be a doormat. It's not one person wins and one person loses. Here's the result of appeasement. It's called resentment. If you go through life trying to appease another person, to pacify that individual, what will happen is inside of you will stir up a resentment. That's not peacemaking. In that situation, there's a peace breaker involved. They're breaking the peace. So what exactly is peace? Peace is a result of obedience to God. And assurance that He is in control. Peace is the result of obedience to God and assurance that He is in control. Blessed are the peace makers for they will be called children of god it's obedience it's doing what he's called you to do it's doing the hard work it's pushing forward it's not sticking your head in the sand it's not appeasing the situation but it's facing it head on it's trying to resolve it's trying to come to a a a conclusion at the end it's trying to work through the situation it's following what god has called you to do knowing full well that he is in control. Philippians 4, 6, one of my favorite scriptures says this, don't worry about anything. Man, if we paused right there, that seems impossible. How many of you have, li- have things in life that oftentimes you worry about? Yeah, a few of us. Yeah, we have those things that the human side of us, the natural side of us, wants to worry about and sometimes it's those messy situations sometimes it's those situations that are at unrest there's not a a peace and and we allow that to eat away at us like a termite or, or or something else going on on the inside and we don't really know what to do with it well the bible says don't worry about it instead pray about everything 
Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. When you give it to God, when you surrender it to Him, when you lay it at His feet, when you realize that He is more than able to meet your situation, it goes on to say, then. Oh, that's good news. That's good news. When we, when we give it to God, when we lay it before Him, when we surrender it to Him, the Bible says, then you will experience, look at this, not man's peace, but God's peace, which exceeds everything and anything we can understand. We experience God's peace, which is greater than anything that we can ever grab a hold of. How many of you know that oftentimes our personal peace is contingent upon everything in life going well? Right? I mean, everything in life is moving forward. Oh, I've got peace right now. Because the waters aren't stirred, everything seems good, everything is floating along right where it needs to be, but suddenly we get a big rock thrown right in the middle of our river, and there's unrest, and now we're like, well, I don't know what to do. But when you surrender that to God, when you lay that before His feet, the Bible says you're going to experience not a peace that, that you create on your own, you're going to experience not a peace that is contingent upon self or situation. But you're going to experience a peace that exceeds anything and everything that you can understand. His peace, look at this, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Why are we happy? Why are we blessed? Because His peace is guarding our heart and our mind. His peace is guarding the very core of our existence. Isaiah 26 tells us that God will keep in perfect peace. All who trust Him. Let me ask you this morning, are you trusting in God? Are you relying upon God today? Today, very quickly, I want to give you four steps to establish peace. We understand what peace is. We understand what it means to walk around a mess. We understand what being a peacemaker is. Now, what do we do with that? How do we establish this peace? If we are really called to work toward peace, what does that look like and how does that achieved? Four steps. Number one, take the initiative. Take the initiative. Now, sometimes this is hard because we don't want to do that. What we want our prayer to be is this. God, get them. Oh, well, I prayed about it. I gave it to God. I told him, get them upside the head. But that's not what we're talking about here. We've got to do the hard work. We've got to take the initiative. Look at Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore make every effort oh i gave it an effort i looked at them i kind of looked their direction they didn't even look at me so i was done 
I, I gave it. I gave it. I walked past them. I gave it my best effort. I wasn't even supposed to go that way. I was supposed to go this way, but I decided I took a long way around just so I passed by them, and I looked them square in the eye, and they turned away. I did my part. Make every effort. It may take more than one attempt. Make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Make every effort. Let me ask you, have you tried more than once? Have you given it your best efforts? Now, this is not the only place that we're instructed to do that. Look at Matthew chapter 5. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and reconcile to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When does he say to do it? Immediately, now, at once. Don't delay, don't wait, don't postpone whether you're the offender or the offendee, the Bible says you're to take the initiative. You're to move forward. You've got to take that step. But remember, you cannot make them respond. Don't put that pressure on yourself. Your responsibility is to follow what God's called you to do. You make every effort. You take the initiative. Look at our second step. Consider their feelings. That's hard. Because sometimes we're just bent out of shape. Sometimes it takes us a little bit of time to, to work past the junk that we've allowed to pile up amongst the mess, yes? But you've got to come to that place. You're, you're making every effort. You're taking the initiative. And now you've got to pause for a moment. And as you're praying for them, and some of you are saying, how do, I, how do I get to that place, Pastor, where I consider their feelings? Pray for that person. Because the more that you pray for that person, the more that, that your sight of them is going to come in line with who God has them to be. You're going to see the situation through God's eyes, not through your eyes. The Bible says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. You've got to be sympathetic. I'm sorry you hurt. We can't let it stop there. You've got to go on to say, I, I hurt with you. The Bible says, weep with those that weep. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Church, we are a family. Man, if that, if that person that you've got odds up against is a Christian, man, that's your fellow brother or sister in Christ. You've got to work through those things. If you want to make peace with somebody, you've got to change the focus. You've got to stop just looking at your needs and your hurts. Begin to look at what's going on in their lives and pray, pray, pray. The reason people hurt oftentimes, the reason people hurt others is because there's something going on on the inside of them. Pray for that person. See, you've got to take the initiative. 
You've got to consider their feelings. Look at number three. Focus on the issue. Focus on the issue. I don't know about you, but when things get messy, suddenly so much other stuff sticks to that messy situation. And it really oftentimes becomes bigger than it ought to be. You've got to stick to the issue. You've got to focus on the issue. You've got to focus on the problem in that relationship. You've got to be honest about it, whether it's a friendship, a, a marriage, a, an acquaintance, a co-worker, whatever it happens to be. You've got to deal with it and not beat around the bush. You've got to call a spade a spade. You've got to call wrong, wrong, and what's right, right. You've got to deal with what's wrong in that relationship. You face the truth. You face the issue, but you face it in love. And you give them grace. How do you do that? The more of God that you allow to pour into your life, the more of Him that you can exude to others. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be encouragement to those who hear them. You've got to be honest, but you've got to do it in the spirit of love. Let me just say this. Guys, I'm still learning this as well. I'll be transparent and honest with you. I'm still learning this. And I don't always make the right choices. I don't always say the things that I should say. Why? Because I'm human. But our goal should be to become more and more like Christ. To model Him on a daily basis. And in those moments, in those times that we stumble and we falter, we say, God, man, I'm, I'm messed up. And we go to that person and say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Use words that will benefit those that are listening. Use words that will speak life. The Bible says that the tongue has the power of life and of death. What words are you allowing to come out of your mouth? What words are you feeding in to that situation and that circumstance and that relationship? Are you allowing your words to, to feed the termites? Are you allowing your words to feed the resentments? Are you, reading, are you giving words that, that breed encouragement and hope and restoration in life? I want to give you a couple of rules for conversation. And again, work in progress. All of us are. Number one, in your resolution time, don't compare. You should be more like, or you shouldn't be like them, or you were just like. Don't compare. Number two, don't condemn. You shouldn't have done this. You ought to do this. You must do that. It's all your fault. You see, these are all absolutes. Face it this way. We've got an issue. We've got a problem. We've got some termites that have jumped into the situation. Work for a resolution. Work to resolve to get rid of the mess. Work to follow what God has called you to do. Number three, don't command. 
Don't say things like, well, that's the way it is, and if you don't like it, then you can lump it. Oftentimes, that's what we want to do. We get so frustrated up to here. Have you ever been like up, you had it up to here with somebody? Whoo, come on. Number four, don't challenge. Just try me and see what happens. Right? Number five, don't condescend. Number six, don't contradict. Number seven, don't confuse. In other words, stick to the topic. Don't chase rabbits. Stay where you are. Work on the situation. We've got to take the initiative, church. We've got to consider their feelings. We've got to focus on the issue. And look at our final step. Emphasize reconciliation, not just resolution. There's a big difference between reconciliation and resolution. Look at reconciliation. It's to reestablish the relationship. We are called to reestablish the relationship. Resolution simply means to settle or to find a solution. But let me be honest with you again. You're not always going to be able to reconcile. You're not always going to be able to reestablish. Sometimes that relationship is just a little toxic. But you've got to give it to God. You've got to surrender it to God. You gotta pray for that individual. That means that it's inevitable that we're going to have differences in relationships. You're gonna have people that you disagree with, but you need to learn to disagree agreeably. There are times that you need to apologize and move on. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 23 is a very, very, it's a great scripture. It says, don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. If you know you, you have, first off, you've worked for peace but you know that diving into further relationship is going to continue to cause quarrels don't breathe that stuff don't breathe that stuff God has given you the ministry of being a peacemaker when you attempt to be a peacemaker the Bible says that you're doing the work of God so let me ask you this morning who is it that you need to seek reconciliation with in your life who is that individual, a husband, a wife, a daughter, a son, a friend, an acquaintance, a family member, a neighbor, a co-worker? Who is it that you need to work to resolve the situation? Some of you have walked in this room this morning and you have years of hurts. You have years and years of termite damage. You've got bitterness that's set in. Who is it that you need to do the hard work of reconciling with today? I would say this to you. Today is your day to begin a new journey. Today is your day 
to give it to God. God blesses those that work for peace. God blesses those that that do the hard work, that press forward with what He's commanded. 